And welcome back to the For Film Sake Podcast, everybody. My name is Brandon Sheet. I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today, we're going to be talking about the better... The, I, I had what? a bit, and I <laughs> fucked it up already. We're going to be talking about... Blah, blah, blah. Uh, good to be back. Black Dynamite. That's yes. what we're going to talk Dynamite. about. Dynamite. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, jingles ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Black Dynamite, but mm-hmm. before we do any of that, the ketchup, condiments, mustard. Yeah. The whole bit, you know the drill. We back, motherfuckers. We're fucking back. We so back. We are absolutely back, like Eminem and Slim Shady. Guess who's back? Back, back, <laughs> back again. Back again. Yes, <laughs> it's for film's sake. That's who's back. Yeah. We back. It's good to be back. Good to yes. be back. I had to take two or three weeks to recompose myself after a particularly stressful, stressful month. Hey, but I'm back. Very cool. I'm back. Do you feel good. Good to be back podcasting. I was yeah. hyping myself up for it the entire week. Yeah. And uh, it's good. It's good. I yeah. like being behind a microphone. Me too. It's, it's soothing. It's Very soothing. much enjoy it. Yeah. Um, let's see. On the ketchup, yeah. um, I went to an apple orchard. How was that? There was a lot of apples there. I... You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think, you know, would you? <laughs> it would be amazing if you went to an apple orchard and it's just a lot of oranges. Just oranges. <laughs> nothing but oranges. Not a single apple there. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go to an apple orchard? Uh, it, it was just something to do. Like uh, my, uh, my girlfriend, she has this thing called the uh, Autumn of Tess. So, um, so they talk. Yeah, or, or autumn of Tess, Tessa. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so okay. it's like this whole autumn. She wants to do things every weekend. Okay. So it's just like, like, yeah, this weekend we're going to a Livermush festival. Last weekend going to an orchard farm. Is there such a thing as a Livermush? There is such thing. Festival? It's called uh, Mush Mutts and Music. Mush Mutts and Music. Yeah. So they have music. You could bring your dogs, and they have Livermush contest. Huh. And then at the end, they uh, crown someone Little Miss Mush. I got to tell you, people say that Americans have no culture. (laughs) (laughs) How sorely mistaken they are. I'll tell you what. And 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 I'm saying, I feel like I kind of want to, like, veer away from the rules a little bit. Because, I mean, I I appreciate Little Mush just as much as these six-year-old girls. Yeah. You know, like, if they can be Little Miss Mush, why can't I be, like, King Mush? King Mush. I want to be, like, King Mush. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. or or Big Guy Mush. Big Guy, any kind of mush, you know. Big Mush. Yes, I want the crown and I want recognition, you know, for, like, my dedication to Little Mush over time. (laughs) Like, how much time could they really be dedicating to the love of Little Mush at, like, six to eight years old? Yeah, yeah, they've only lived for six years. The more they've been able to love it, it's like maybe two. Maybe maybe two. Maybe five? Complete farce. It's a farce. Complete farce. Yeah, they, they don't deserve the liver nope. style. Nope. They're all lying. They are, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for y'all kids. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Not happening anymore. <laughs> coming for your title. Coming for your crown. Yep. And if you stand in this way, he will mush you. I will. King mush. But yeah. What the that. fuck is liver mush? It's, it's, it's like, I know it's like a loafy thing. Yeah. It's a loaf of discarded things that people don't want to generally eat. It's like a bologna. Oh, okay. They just take all the random scraps and then put it together to one thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's not great, yeah. you know, but um, it's all right. You fry it good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is it, I reckon it's got liver in it. Yeah, there's some liver in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's all kind of parts. I can't recommend this liver at all. Liver is the piece of any animal's body that mm-hmm. filters out all of the bullshit yes. that we don't need in our body. Yep. And then someone just goes like, I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat that. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with that guy? Yep. Fucking eat the liver. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of the worst parts. And we're just like, ah, oh, we're just going to grind this up with some, like, hooves and then other yeah. things. <laughs> we'll so eat that. Yeah. and gelatin and pretend that it's good. Put yep. some olives on it. Yep. And Basically. pretend that it's good. Yeah. Fucking Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. I mean, the Scottish have haggis, I guess. So, whatever. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. What, what you been up to? Um, 
I I just existed for two weeks. I did the Charlotte Fashion Week. Nice. And that yes. was like a pretty big show that yeah. we did. We covered it, did the media for it. Mm-hmm. And there were so many people. There were so many bodies. Yeah. It was close to like maybe like at least 500 people in that place. How'd you feel about that? Uh, disgusting. It was Th- awful. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's part of the reason why I like became sort of like just unhinged yeah. <laughs> from reality. Yeah. Because uh, I had to talk to so many people and run around for so much for like five days in a row. Yeah. But by the end of it, you know when Goku used Ultra Instinct in mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Super and then he kicked you in his ass? Yep. And then he just like, Argh! and then, and then phase out. Yeah, that was That's it. That's exactly what I felt. Mm. Every part about me just said like, now you have to lock yourself in your room. Yep. For two weeks, yeah. and nobody will know anything about you. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much exactly what it did. You're like a sensu bean <laughs> in a hyperbaric time chamber. Yeah. <laughs> you one of those little pods. Yep. It's just it was disgusting. Yeah, I felt so gross. No, I get it. Yeah, but the show went fine. The show was great. Very cool. And uh, we did all the media, and the interviews came out pretty good. Okay, and it was it was satisfying. Nice. But I was just emotionally hungover for like a bet. week and a half. I can see and it. then I ran out of money. Yeah, I like fucked up and I ran out of money. Yeah, life. So I was just like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna be here. Ex- yeah, just yeah. exist <laughs> for a while. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I yeah. sat and I read things yeah. and I watched things. And, yeah. and uh, I'm actually started picking up audibles. Nice, audible. I, it's really, really soothing. Okay. I mean, I I finished Attempting Normal by Mark Maron. Mark Maron, yeah. And uh, that's a phenomenal book. Okay. And I love the way he talks and yeah, I love same. the way he writes. And it was good. And now I'm listening to Neverwhere by What's Neil that? Gaiman. Oh no! Okay, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. I love Neil Gaiman. It's uh, I think it's uh, it's either before American Gods or after American Gods. Okay. I think. And American Gods is getting a telly show. I so heard. That's exciting. Yep. Um, Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite writers, and he's, he's narrating really the book, and he's got a voice like chocolate and green. So yeah. It's fucking great. Oh, yeah. That's what I've been doing. I've just been sort of like ignoring anything that makes me uncomfortable yep. and then just rebuilding my comfort level back to where it used to be. Yeah, get a good foundation. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so that's... I've just been watching Happy Things. Nice. I've been watching Happy Things. Is, is that on TBS? Um, <laughs> 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Hell yeah. You saw the flash of like, what? <laughs> did you uh, did you see any movies? Uh, I did. I see. I saw *Stars Born*. I was supposed weekend. to go see that last week. Lady oh, Gaga, man. Bradley Cooper. It is gorgeous. I it figured. is a gorgeous film. Yeah. Like Bradley Cooper. It's a, it was Bradley Cooper's directorial debut. Yep. And for first-time director, fuck, did so it. good. He did it. So good. And um, how do you say? It? And like Lady Gaga, mm. if that actress, if that role had been given to another actress, mm. the movie would have been like would have fallen flat. Mm. Like Lady Gaga sells. She did the it. Shit. Out of that role. Okay. And Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga have amazing chemistry. Oof. And I cried. I cried at the end. Of, I cried yeah. interspersed throughout the movie. Yeah. In parts where I wasn't supposed to be crying. Yeah. Just because Lady Gaga is so gorgeously talented mm. when she's singing. And it's just like, oh, it's fucking phenomenal. Can you see her, like, uh, carrying a movie sometime in the next, like, five years or so? I mean, she carried this movie. What, what I mean this one? I mean, like, yeah. a, um, a movie that's not uh, so musically uh, centered. Oh, like a movie by herself? Yeah, yeah. I think she's a fantastic talent. Nice. Like yeah. Actress. That's I think she can do whatever the fuck she wants. That's what that's what I wanted to see from this movie because I really liked her acting in um, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I really liked her acting in that, and that's not musical centered at all. So I was like, all right, she can act a little bit. Yeah. And I wanted to see what she did in this because all the reviews that are coming out said she does her thing. Oh, like she she's a it. good actress. It yeah. looks like. And th- and that's the thing about Lady Gaga. Like she, like this movie, really, she can shine all throughout the movie. Yeah. It's singing yeah. and it's acting. Yeah. But Lady Gaga can carry. I like that. Anything she wants. Like, that woman 
and just walking to her room. She's like, yeah, I want to make this movie. Yeah. And someone was just like, all right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So Lady Gaga, fantastic. Bradley Cooper. Like, it's easy to shit on Bradley Cooper because he has that face. Yeah. You know, he has a, like, action movie star face. Mm. Um, but could not be further from the truth. I mean, the man is talented. Yeah. He's also sings amazingly well. And uh, it's a fucking phenomenal film. Wow. I really, really, really loved it. I'm I'm really liking that these the actors that have been in the game for like ten years or so or are stepping away and, and starting to direct and write their own movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing that with Bradley Cooper, you're seeing that with Jonah Hill, uh, with these directorial debuts. So I mean, um, Burnham too. Burnham, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, John Krasinski uh, with yeah, the yeah, um, with yeah. the, the Quiet Place. The Quiet Place, yeah. I'm, I'm liking this. I'm liking this a lot. The yeah. new generation of like filmmaking yeah. or like directors yeah. is is gorgeous. Yes, I'm really, really, really liking. Me too. Films. Me too. And I still haven't. Uh, I just saw that Vessard got Bo Burnham uh, oh. in the movie Eighth Grade. Yeah. They have it in their new selection, so that's exactly what I'm going to be next. Nice. Um, other than that, I've just been like I, I started shooting my Mr. Clean short. Mr. Yesterday. Clean. Uh, fucking went easy, went a lot smoother than I thought it would. Okay. Had a great shoot day. We shot at Vessard. Yeah. Um, and thank God for <laughs> them letting us shoot there. Yeah. And they're fantastic. Nice. And they have a cute little coffee shop right next to Vissard mm-hmm. that opened up like maybe three weeks ago. Okay. And it's a uh, mm, nice mm, coffee. Such a good spot. Okay. The coffee's good, but the, the spot is just it's like, a location. It's like a hallway mm. and it's like outside and very art, artsy centered. It's very nice. Very nice. It's very reminiscent cool. of like Franklin Street. Actually. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, like, if, if you put that coffee shop and then you put it on Franklin Street and Chapel Hill, yeah. Yeah, it would make perfect sense. I can yeah. see that. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been fine. I've yeah. been recuperating from stress. Yeah. I think I'm back. And I've just been, now I'm ready to, like, catch up on all of the good content that I've been missing because it was too yeah. sad to watch. You, yeah. know, you know that feeling when you're, like, emotionally hungover? Oh, yeah. You don't watch anything because, like, everything will make you cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, A Star is Born actually was the movie that brought me back to like enjoying content again. Yeah, yeah. Because I was really cynical for a while about movies. Yeah. And then I saw a Star Wars one and I was just like, oh, fuck, it's so good. Nice. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I really do recommend it. All right. I'm, oh, I'm going to have to check that out. If not today, then sometime soon. There was, um, there's been something that I've been dealing with over the past, uh, my entire life. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like just still like trying to, trying to cope with it. And it's like, it's about like second chances and giving people second chances and feeling like you've been like screwed over, mm-hmm. but still like offering the second chance. Like, um, and it's based off like first impressions. Right. And um, like kind of how me and you met, or I don't know how, what my vibe was then, but um, generally it's like when I meet someone or someone meets me, they get an impression. And depending on my mood that day or whatever is going on or whatever, it's like I can come off as a, 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 a Abrasive, you know, yeah. aggressive, or you know, things like that. So you get a first impression, and then someone decides that that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Then they kind of just write you off to where, like, I don't need to deal with this person, yada yada yada. Right. You know. So then, when you see that you're getting that energy from that person, it's kind of like, wow, they didn't even give me a chance, and they automatically think that I'm this person. Right. You know. So it's just like, but then as you continue to go down your path through your trajectory, and it's like you say, you're not that person every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to day five, you get to day ten, get to day fifteen, and then people can kind of see who you are. Yeah. And there was, oh, I, I have this person all wrong. You know, I thought this person was this person. That happens consistently. A, a, a lot. lot of really good friendships are just like, I fucking hated that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, the person that I was, you know, years ago is if you didn't accept me initially and you were kind of just like, fuck this guy, and then weeks or months down the line when you kind of got to see who I was, then my mentality was, no, you didn't think I was good enough back then, so 
so fuck you now too. Right. You know, and then that just leaves you in kind of a land of like solitude and just kind of, you know, you ostracize yourself, you yeah. know, pretty much. So it's just like, it's that, I guess it's that ego and pride of it too, mm-hmm. you know, of not wanting to give that second chance, like someone that slighted you and then you still have to lower your ego or lower your pride enough to be like, okay, here's a second chance, right. you know? But I don't know. It's just it's just a weird thing to deal with, with feeling like you've been slighted, yeah. and then still being like, okay, you're an okay person, right? You know, feeling yeah, like you got fucked over, and then just kind of just like, ah, fuck, you did fuck me up, but yeah. I feel like I owe you this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, because everybody you know screws up. Like everybody right. doesn't you know make the best decision the first time. Like right. I'm guilty of that myself too. You and know, but I think that, I think that part of it is that people just aren't willing to accept when they fucked up. Mm. And so it always, the energy from fucked up yeah. to, like, being okay is mm. always tainted. Like, yeah. The first time that they didn't apologize for fucking up. Yeah. So, like, I like I, I like second chances. Yeah. There's a lot of people that I meet that I just feel like, fuck that guy. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can see it, yeah. Don't meet that guy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, so, like, what's the outcome of that? Have you just been struggling with it? Did you find a new epiphany? Um, Did you learn something? Um, yeah, learning something like some of the people that is just like that I have been giving second chances to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's cool that it's like you can, like you said, you do build a, a friendship off those things. But the other side of it is like the awkwardness of the people that notice that you're not the person that they decided you were on first go around. Right. And now it's like they want to get back in, but they don't know how to do it because <laughs> of that first interaction. Yep. You know, so it's like just seeing that is just like, I don't like that awkwardness, you know, just because you made a wrong decision doesn't mean I'm going to hold you to that for the rest of your right. life, you know. Isn't it, wouldn't it be so much much easier if when that moment happened and it's just like, hey, listen, I was kind of an asshole to you like the first time because I thought you were an asshole. Yeah. But now I, th- I don't see that. Yep. And I want to get into this social thing. Yeah. Can we make that happen? Yeah. Wouldn't that be an amazing conversation That'd be awesome. to start? Yeah. And it's just like, hey, fucked up. Yep. I I judged you too early. Mm. Do, you, do you mind if we if we kick this off again? Yeah. And then you just be like, fuck yeah. And then yep. you just talk it out. Unless you rate that guy, and then you're like, well, fuck you. Nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it gets, I think it gets hard for people because, like, when they make that decision of what someone is, and then they go tell someone else, like, yeah, I don't like this person because of this. Right. And then they tell another person, I don't like this person because of this. And then they change their mind about it. Then they have to, they don't want to go eat crow and be like, tell this, like, not only do they have to tell themselves that they were wrong, they have to go tell other people that they were <laughs> yeah. wrong as well. And you that's know? really the hardest part. Yeah, like, in, in their mind, they would rather just root for their confirmation bias. You know, that they decide that you're a shit person. And even though that you're, you know, demonstrating that you're not, they're just keeping it in their mind was like, nope, I know I identified a shitty person in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to keep placing my bet that you are a shitty person and hope that I come out right. That's I'm, the kind of person that, like, sees you feeding a straight cat. And mm-hmm. then he just goes like, ah, fuck that guy. He's mm-hmm. feeding him bad tuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know, I know there's something not right. I've decided. So I'm like, eh. It's just a weird thing with that. Yeah. But um, only other thing that I really have was um, just being pissed off about Luke Cage being canceled. Oh, that did happen. Yeah. That did happen. Yeah. I didn't watch the second season uh, yet, so I don't know why it got canceled. I I thought it was a it was good it was good season. it was good uh iron fist got canceled too and i, I was mean, just like whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah that was my, my sentiment exactly i was like fuck off this whatever you know but then they came for luke cage and i'm like hold up now hold on now like I, i'm not liking that so like unless they have like a heroes for hire like on the way and they're just gonna heroes for hire was luke cage yeah luke cage was in the end and iron fist you know they're both in that so like unless you're just gonna combine them together because mm-hmm. maybe the ratings for luke cage and iron fist separately weren't that great in right. comparison to like uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. But, but like, that's interesting because I feel like every second season of every one of those shows did considerably poor than mm. the first season. 
So, like, if you're going ah. to cancel Luke Cage... Why not cancel Jessica then you, Yeah, then you mm. also have to sort of look at, like... Mm. I mean, the numbers were probably in favor of Jessica Jones just because she's, like, the, the female Maybe. superhero yeah. of yeah. them. So she's got a little bit more people, like, rallying up behind that. Mm. But, like, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones all oh. had enough reason to get canceled Definitely after did. the second season. Yeah. It's weird that they picked Luke Cage because he became a cultural phenomenon he really, really did. quickly. Yeah. Like, you could have canceled Daredevil and people would have been mad. Yeah. But you wouldn't have gotten rid of, a, like, a cultural icon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, those were the two that it's yeah. like, if you cancel either one of those, people are going to be out here with their torches. So, right. I mean, yeah, I'm waving my torch for Luke Cage, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Is your torch coming in the mail? Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. Uh, I got I to I catch up on the second season. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that happened recently in show business that mm. I like. I knew that I saw, and I was just like, "Well, that seems like bullshit," but I don't remember what it was. I yeah. read it on Twitter, okay, and I just lost it. <laughs> so uh, by bringing it up, I just look like an idiot. We'll figure it out by the end of the show. Yeah, that'll be fine. Um, anything else? Uh, no, no, nothing really. There you go. Yeah, no, I don't have anything. You yeah. wanna wanna black dynamite this up? Let's do it. Yeah. Dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> Into that shit at school all the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, welcome back. Black Dynamite. Hey, uh, Black Dynamite. Uh, came out, out in 2009. It's rated R. It's listed as a black exploitation comedy action film that runs exactly one hour and 30 minutes. That, uh, is, that is a sexy number. Oh, yeah. Runtime. 130. That's my perfect right on the head. Um, the rundown is after the man kills his brother and poisons the neighborhood with tainted liquor, a kung fu fighter played by Michael J. White wages war that takes him all the way to Nixon's White House. Uh, it's directed by Scott Sanders, and it was written by Michael J. White. It's starring Tommy Davison as Cream Corn, Arsenio Hall as Tasty Freeze, Brian McKnight as Sweet Meat, Michael J. White as Black Dynamite, Kim Whitley as Honeybee, and Cedric, Cedric Yarborough as Chocolate Giddy Up. <laughs> Chocolate Giddy Up. Uh, I... First of all, I thought this movie was actually shot in like the 1970s. Mm. I thought it was like a 1970s, like proper black exploitation film. Yeah. Uh, so the tonality of this movie is just fucking right on the goddamn dot. Man, like they, yeah. they hit it so hard. It's <laughs> like I seen it when it first came out, so I knew it was 2009. Mm -hmm. But it's just like if you just happen to walk into a room with that on there, you don't know that this is not 1970. Yeah, There's yeah. like not a way to know because like I said, it's oversaturated to the way like a 1970 stuff. They have smash I cuts mean, to yeah. close ups, dramatic it looks camera like a angles. Pan movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much looks like that. So yeah. it's like it's very it's very hard to distinguish the difference, you know. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Uh, I think that, first of all, I, I gotta say, I fucking love this movie. Oh, I yes. love everything about this movie. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. I think it's amazingly well written. Yes. And I think that it's campy mm -hmm. with the full purpose of the word campy mm -hmm. being used. Yeah. Like, it's not like accidentally campy. Nope. It's not accidentally funny. Nope. It's just like they know where to place everything that they place in mm -hmm. that script in order to make that part funny. Yeah. And uh, I fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, even from like the opening scenes, it's like when um, when uh, Black Dynamite walks into this room and Kim Whitley, um, what's her character's name in here? Uh, Honeybee. Yeah. She's talking to him, and then they do a close up of her face, and she has a fake tear in her eye. <laughs> and then they go back to him, and she cut back to her. The tear's gone. <laughs> and then she's going back into the conversation about something. Oh, the tear's back. <laughs> then the he continuity. Yeah, yes. And then he stands up to make this this uh, long monologue, mm -hmm. and while he's 
in there is like, but the, the camera is placed for him to be sitting down. Yep. But when he stands up, now the boom is in the shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like pressing up against his afro when he's looking up at the boom. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's like, so my favorite thing about this movie is really, apart from being funny and mm. being awesome, is that it's emblematic of what I like to call the anti-cinema mm. style of filmmaking. Yeah which is like where the filmmaker knows that they're making oh, a movie yeah, yeah. and they are actively working against the rules of cinema yeah. to make it funny. Yeah. I think this movie absolutely nails that. And I think yeah. all of the anti-cinema is like counterintuitive to the name. No, I, I understand what you're saying though. It's like when someone has that much knowledge into knowing what it's supposed to be, right. then you can freely break the rules. Yep. You know, and, and I, you know. Black Dynamite does that yeah. I mean, amazingly yeah. well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that shot, like the booms in the shot. Yep. And then, like, but I think the boom's in the shot, and then Black Dynamite looks at it, and then there's a jump cut mm. that's disguised by, like, a, like a tape burn. Mm. It's like it's a jump cut, and then the boom's out of the shot, and Black Dynamite's still looking annoyed at the microphone guy. Yeah. And he's just, like, giving his monologue, like, slightly pissed yeah. at the boom guy. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. There's and one other scene where, like, uh, I think it's sweet corn. and Oh, cream corn. Dude. Cream corn. Yeah. And some dude are, like, fighting mm. the... Cream corn like actually hits the actor. Oh no no yeah that's um that's bullhorn and bullhorn. He, you know, he's fighting he's fighting a guy and then he actually hits him he's like motherfucker. <laughs> they bring in another extra. Exchange <laughs> <laughs> the actor. Yeah. <laughs> that shit fucking killed me. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, this is a this is a, a perfect example of like was it Scott Anderson the director. Uh, uh, Scott Scott Sanders. Scott Sanders. Mm-hmm. This is like a perfect example of like what to do when you understand the language of cinema. Oh yeah. And then you just want to fucking have fun. Yeah. I think it's great, and I think the plot is really dumb, but works yeah. perfectly for the movie. Plot's super <laughs> stupid, and I mean, I, I love there was a uh, the dialogue throughout it. Like these are one of the one, the one of the movies that you can just like quote yeah. over and over and over <laughs> like through it. There's a um, there's one scene to where uh, the police officer comes into the, the room and starts to confront him about some stuff. He was like, "You don't remember back in uh, Vietnam?" And That's then, my favorite. <laughs> he starts talking about Vietnam. He's like, "I remember Vietnam like it was yesterday. I remember that, remember that village that we cut down. It was a massacre. All those dead Chinamen we left in our tracks. <laughs> those little Chinese kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, guess we're not in Vietnam anymore. <laughs> Walked into a hut." <laughs> Bomb my gun on some Chinese kid. Yep. Little Chinese legs blown yep. clean off. And he says something <laughs> to me like, hang dong, bang dong, bang dong. You know, sound like it was straight up a cartoon. <laughs> I couldn't understand what he was saying, but I knew what it would have meant. It was black, black dynamite. Why? <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. That's it. That is, I saw that scene three years ago out of context. Yeah. And I thought it was like a, that's why I thought it was a 1970s movie because yeah. it just looked so much like it. Yeah. It's like, why Black Dynamite? Yeah. <laughs> I guess we ain't back in Nam no more. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite lines, too. Because, like, he keeps talking about Chinamen and Chinese people that he's fighting. And then instead of correcting him, it was like, well, I guess we're not in Nam anymore. It was like, these are Vietnamese people here. I'm not going to correct you, Black Dynamite. <laughs> Oh, God, the sort of racism in that scene. Yo, so man. fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's the actual plot? He In the beginning of the movie, his brother gets killed. Yeah. By an undercover cop. Yeah. By the, 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 the works for the man. That works for the man. Yeah. yeah. So I think his brother was working for the man. Yep. And he gets killed by one of the white cops. Yeah. So Black Dynamite feels like, well, I'm going to find the guy that, that did it. Yeah. And I'm going to kill him. Yep. Right? I'm going to kill them all, yeah. But in the process of that, he stumbles on a 
small like a like a malt liquor campaign yeah. where like the government had put drink shrinking poison mm, into the dick malt shrinking liquor. poison. Yeah, gonna <laughs> shrink your dick <laughs> so that because yep. malt liquor is like a black drink. Yeah, I guess yeah. which I didn't I wouldn't have registered until I watched Black Dynamite. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> hardcore. Black people drink malt liquor. Court forty five, <laughs> old English. Yeah, that's us. And so in malt liquor, they put this drink shrinking poison. And so Black Dynamo runs across this operation. Mm. And then it turns out that it was actually a campaign issued by the U.S. government Nixon, to, yeah. like, make black men not to reproduce. Yep. And it was just, like, like amongst all the, se- the silliness, you have this, like, really realistic concept of, like, systematic black oppression. Yeah. And sort of, like, alluding to the crack epidemic of the 1980s. I'm loving this conversation now because, yeah, that's exactly, you know, where, where it's like that, like the underlying theme there is like, I don't think the average viewer when they're watching this, like it's only farce and right. they're not getting like the metaphor and the parallel to like real life because, I mean, it's just so over the top and yeah. gags and funniness. But like you said, yeah, like dick shrinking beer, like all this systematic rhythm, like that doesn't sound like, but uh, yeah, there is a parallel that we're really getting yeah. to right there with and, the government. And, and, and like, I think that's the commentary in mm. this film. Like the underlying commentary is that that black culture mm is used exclusively for exploitation yes. purposes. Yes, yes, hell yeah. And then, so, like, anything that's outside of black culture is benefiting from black culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's the underlying theme yeah. of the movie. It's yep. just, like, black culture is exploited. Yeah. White people benefit from it. Yep. And from the very beginning, I mean, you see the brother died at the hands of, like, a white man, and yeah. the white man being in charge of an operation yep. that kills the brother and then having no one benefited from it. Yeah. But then we have the really poignant scenes with the orphanage kids, mm. Who are orphanage kids? <laughs> they all smacked out. <laughs> those kids are on those drugs hard. <laughs> and black dynamite. I'll shake it out of you. I shake them drugs out of your system. No, that doesn't work. We already tried that. <laughs> We've tried everything. We've tried to shake the drugs out of them. It seemed like a reasonable solution, and that's, that didn't work. One of the kids asked him to bring back like a girl so that he can pimp her out for a smack. Yep. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And it's really funny in the movie because they play it for comedy. Yeah. But it's it's alluring to the 1980s crack yeah. epidemic yeah. that was set by the U.S. government to happen. Yep. And then, but it's just like, I don't know how anybody could watch this movie and not pick up on those cues. Mm-hmm. They're undeniably there. Yeah. And part of and I, what I think makes the movie funny because mm. they're they are taking an, a really big problem, presenting to you in a way that you can. The reason I found it funny, yeah. it wasn't because it was absurd. It was because it was taking a problem that existed yep. and making it absurd. Yes. So that you have to laugh at it. Yep. Because when you laugh at something, you you have to acknowledge, acknowledge the, the, the problem in the first. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And if you acknowledge the joke, you acknowledge the problem. Yep. That's why it's funny. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the genius of this fucking movie. I agree. It's it's fantastically well written. Yeah. And it's fantastically well staged. I mean, it just like in, like I said, the writing too, like the dialogue. There's so many liners in there. Like the aunt calls him. Oh, for well, he's doing his kung fu <laughs> first of all, and then the phone's ringing. It's like, how many times did I tell you not to call, interrupt me while I'm doing my kung fu? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then the the aunt, she's just like browbeating him. It's like, yeah, you promised, you promised your mama that she was gonna take care of your brother. You was gonna make sure he wasn't on that stuff. You was gonna keep him alive. Your mother would be rolling over her grave if she was alive to see this right now. <laughs> I'm just like, what kind? If she was alive to see this, she would be rolling over in her grave. Like, yeah, oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the aunt is like, what the fuck? I don't even catch that. I'd be glad your mama ain't alive to see this because she'd be rolling over in her grave. Like, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> you know, and like the or another scene at the beginning of the movie where um where they're showing Black Dynamite in the bed with a, a number of women, and um, <laughs> that was a great fucking shot. Oh yeah, and there's one lady she's like Black Dynamite. That was the best loving I ever had. Then a white lady's in the bed. She's like me too. Then an Asian lady's in the bed. She's like that goes triple for me. And Black Dynamite's like, shh, mommy, you about to wake up the rest of the bitches. <laughs> <laughs> He's such like. An American folk hero with this mm. layer of like bad black, like badass black culture, yeah, and just like it's just the way they set him up. He's just like a, he's like a black truck Norris, really. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, <laughs> I like at the, at the end of the movie where uh, he goes to apologize to the first lady. He was <laughs> like, "Hey, Madam First Lady, I'm sorry that I, I pimp slapped you into the into that cabinet over there." She was like, "No, no, it's it's okay. You know, I did uh, I did try to shoot at you. It was like, yeah, but the shot didn't connect. If the shot did connect, then I guess it would be justified for me that pimp slapped you through that cabinet." <laughs> You know, but seeing that it didn't, you know, I do apologize. She's like, you really are a righteous brother. <laughs> right on. <laughs> like, apologize for a pimp slapping you through that cabinet. <laughs> I wasn't justified. I feel like I betrayed my own moral judgment <laughs> in slapping you into that foul cabinet. Yeah. I do apologize, sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, Honeybee is the lady that he falls in love with, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Honeybee, now Kim Whitley. I can't think of the other lady's name off the top of my head, but yeah. Um, I li- I really liked her character a lot yeah. when she gets introduced. Yeah. Which another one of my like this movie is so fucking quotable. Oh yeah. But another one of my favorite scenes is when they go to that donut shop. Oh and, yeah. And then the the guy he shoots just at a dude dressed as a donut. Yep. Just like black dynamite. How did you know? Donuts don't wear alligator, alligator. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> don't wear alligator shoes. What I love about that shot though is like so the the donut is walks into the restaurant and you know behind uh, behind the lady and then he he says hey and he's holding a pamphlet in his hand. Mm-hmm. Dynamite comes in and shoots it, the, the donut right in the middle of the chest. And then the next scene we see the donut laying on the ground with an automatic weapon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> and like the shot is separated by a white flash that fills up the entire screen mm. so like the transition is just like gunshot Donald's light on the floor yep. there's nothing else that you That's can it. see yep. and, and like in parts of visual comedy like you do notice the pamphlet and then yeah. you see the gun and you're like what the fuck yeah. did I miss like, the gun yeah like <laughs> Yeah, and that—that's really what I like about this this movie sort of cinematography. Mm. It's like the jokes are so visual. Oh yeah, that sometimes you have to rewind to see. It's just like, wait, did they? Did I miss yeah. the thing? Because yeah. I think I missed it. But no, the fact is that the joke is that it wasn't there in the first frame, mm-hmm. and then it was there in the second yeah. frame. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that. Man. That happened several times. In the yeah, movie. there was there was another one, and I guess after we did the Bronx Tale, mm-hmm. like the I've seen so many um, like renditions of this scene so many times now. After like we covered Bronx Tale with the. Oh, now you just can't leave. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> when I saw it. So many times, you know, it's like Black Dynamite. He's he's trying to tell him, like, find out who killed his brother. Who was like, hey, you know, I ain't killed your brother, you know, but but I he basically goes into basically like he don't care about your brother died. I would have killed him if somebody else didn't kill him right, first, yeah. you know, and starts talking shit about Black Dynamite. Then when he looks like he's about to walk off, then the little puppet's behind him, like, yeah, that's right, you better leave. Let <laughs> me come over here talking that mess. Yeah, you better leave. Get out here, Jive Turkey. And then he turns the open sign to close. <laughs> yeah, locks the door and just starts throwing people out of them windows and doors. <laughs> now you can't leave. <laughs> Whooping ass. And that is a great, like, I, I really like that scene because after he closes the door, he throws a couple of punches yep. and then we cut to the outside of the building and a dude just fucking comes flying out through the door that yeah. he locked. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think he just walks outside all calmly. Yeah, <laughs> like that's best. that's apparently like his his signature move. Like he's been throwing people out of windows and doors since the orphanage. <laughs> 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 he was calling them orphan. He was like, yeah, I'm just throwing kids out the window. It's like that is his move. 
I will throw your ass up out the window, apparently. <laughs> so fucking funny. Yeah. And like Michael Jow White's performance Michael J. as White, Black yeah. Dynamite oh, yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Like he just absolutely nails the the sort of the macho, the badass macho persona. Yeah. But he he does it in a way that you can tell that he's not taking himself seriously. Yeah. But the character is taking himself seriously. Yeah. And that's a weird distinction to do as an actor. Yeah. Because when you know you're taking the piss out of something, but your character is taking himself so seriously. seriously yeah. How do you play that physicality to do it? And I think Michael Joe White nailed it. And yeah, I'm not entirely sure what it is about the performance that distinguishes that line, mm. but it, I absolutely love it. I think mean, it's great. A lot of it, like I said, a lot of it's in the writing for me because he he wrote the, the movie. He didn't direct it, but he did right. write it. And it's like lines like, um, he's on the phone, he's like, scram, scram. I said, split. Shake the scene, you turkeys. Get out of my house. I'll see y'all tomorrow. <laughs> 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 what the hell? <laughs> yeah. But it also works like in those scenes, there's uh, the movie has a lot of like zooms. Oh, yeah. And zooms are some of my personal favorite things mm. in movies. If you put a zoom in a movie, mm. I will fucking laugh at that zoom. Oh, a lot of those. They're yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. They are hilarious. And so, like, Black Dynamite has a lot of like really like this dramatic 1970s exploitation type zoom. Mm. Where it's like someone's delivering a really dramatic line, yeah. and the camera just zooms Zoop. into their face. Yep. But because it's a zoom, they have to readjust the framing mm-hmm. while they're zooming. Yep. So you see the zoom, and then you see the camera sort of like jiggle around, finding the actor's face. Yeah. And I think it's amazing. Oh yeah. I love it. That that's my favorite like cinematography thing for this movie. It's yeah. all of the zooms are just gorgeously funny. There were there were things in there that um I was wondering if people outside of like black culture would get some of the things in there. Mm-hmm. Like um one thing when he meets a bullhorn for the first time and um he he walks in and then he was like black dynamite my brother. He was like you what what you want to eat? Um oh Miss Betty she done, she made some uh some pig feet and uh and collard greens or something like that and mm-hmm. she put her ankle all the way in it. Oh, and yeah. and then he was like now nah, I'm good on food. It's like was that like a saying in culture besides black culture no no i knew what the men out of content like yeah. in context but it was i've never heard it before it's um the saying was like we'll be like uh yeah um your grandma makes food she put her foot in it right and like if you put your foot in it that's supposed to mean it's real real good right. if you put your foot down to your ankle that means you got more foot into it like all uh, the way yeah. up to your ankle so it's like <laughs> she put her foot so far into this food it's all the way up to her ankle that's how good this food is oh, and i was just like like yeah, like I very much get that, but I'm like, uh, is that just for like black culture? Like, does that cross the line? I just I don't know. I, I, think, just I think that was particularly black. That was just super black. I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, what about like, uh, have you ever tried chicken and waffles? Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. Delicious. Hell yeah. There, I had. I, I admittedly, I did have like a posh version of chicken and waffles. Yeah. That was my favorite. Okay. That was like in like this. It was in Haberdish. You oh. ever see Haberdish? Have you ever been to Haberdish? Uh-huh. It's this really great bar down in Noda. Okay. Fucking love chicken and waffles. Yes. It's a great combination. Hell yeah. It's fucking delicious. Yeah. I want to try it from like an authentic, like southern yeah. black grandma. Yeah. You know? Like just like just two pieces of waffles and like yep. fuck you, here's some, some chicken. Fried ad chicken, yeah. <laughs> some salt on there. Yeah. That's really good. Um like that's my that was a great running joke in the movie though. Where like the the restaurant owner or the like the bar owner or whatever. Oh he was, yeah, yeah. He was like trying to find the new business. It was donuts and chili. Yeah. Donuts and chili. He <laughs> 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 just kept fucking up. <laughs> And they're in the conversation, so it's just like, hey, you know what? Uh, give me some of the chicken and waffles. Yep. And then <laughs> the guy just goes like, that's fucking it, yep. chicken and waffles. Yep. <laughs> like, that don't make sense. Uh, we go together, chicken and waffles, but yeah, that works. Uh, that's I, th- I, I really do appreciate like this movie's non-attempt like attempt at not hiding the fact that 
it is writing for funny. Like yeah. it's a, it's a straight up comedy. There, there was the, when they first meet uh, Tommy Davidson, who people might know from In Living Color. If not, you know him from um, Ace Ventura. He's the one where um, I don't know if it's Ace Ventura one or two. But when Jim Carrey's about, he's like in the middle of the wilderness, and then there's this guy inside of a backpack. Then the guy gets out of the backpack, is like, <laughs> like super skinny guy. <laughs> yeah. But that's Tommy Davidson that was in that backpack. But um, he plays Cream Corn in this movie. And when they first introduce him, he's sitting inside like a hair salon getting his hair done. Yep. He's like, yeah, Cream Corn. I'm running things. I'm running things. I'm running things. Cream corn. That's right. And then they show black dynamite right behind them. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Starts running out of the salon super fast as hell. And then, like, I like the shot of the, the chasing, you know, because they show, like, how silly this is. Like, when they jump from roof to roof, yeah. they're parallel, right? Side by side. Yeah. Like, not trying to catch one person. Like, oh, we're about to jump to the next spot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think is the genius of the movie yeah. the anti-cinema yeah. like this is the action movie convention yep. and this is what we're doing this to show you doing. that that convention is fucking stupid yeah. and like and it, I, I absolutely love that oh, like yeah. the, another really great thing that I love is like after we find out the orphanage we find out the drug they find out the malt liquor yep. and then like the, the big black dude um, drinks the malt liquor yeah. Oh, yeah. and they find him at his place and <laughs> they zoom into his tiny oh, dick super tiny dick then shrunk his dick Drinking up all and that liquor. Like it was just a death sentence. Yeah. It's just like, well, should we kill him or do you want to live? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to live? Do you want to live? <laughs> like that much. <laughs> yeah. But then after that sequence, I have this whole thing where they arm up with like the Black Panther mm. version of the movie. They yeah. arm up and they go against the people putting the drink, the dick drinking poison. Mm -hmm. And they all keep dying one by one yeah. after the movie. And Cream Corn, I think, I th maybe it was Cream Corn, mm. that he started saying, like, yeah, I'm going to retire. Mm. I'm going to start a family. Mm. And here's a picture of my gorgeous wife. And then, but they set it up in such a way that the moment he starts talking, he's like, that nigga's going to die. Yeah, you already know that. You know he's it. <laughs> and they yeah. fucking cut his head off. And oh, Bullhorn. Bullhorn, yeah. Bullhorn. Yeah. He just goes like, no, our friendship was ended by the treacherous hands of Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I love those little things. It's like he, he talked to the Kung Fu guy. It's like, your knowledge of scientific biological transmorphication is only outmatched by your zest for Kung Fu treachery. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> scientific biological transmorphification? <laughs> like, all right, Black Dynamite. <laughs> and like that whole sequence when he gets into the Kung Fu Master's house until mm. the Kung Fu Master like gets defeated yeah. is probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Yeah. Because the like they keep he keeps fighting and people keep dying. Yeah. And then the Kung Fu Master runs into the into the room mm. where the bio stuff is. Yeah. And then there's two Asian guys falling. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Go take care of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, it's fucking great. I'm, I was liking the, the nunchuck stuff because, like, while watching it, is you're thinking to yourself, like, have you ever seen a nunchuck fight? Right. Like, he's like, you see one person always, <laughs> whenever it was one thing of nunchucks, then someone will run up on them, you know, unarmed, and they'll just smack them across the head, <laughs> you know, or smack them across the leg, you know, but like, what really happens in this thing? Then by the time you get to the end, you get a double nunchuck fight. Yep. Two people with nunchucks fighting with each other. It's like, what the fuck would happen with that, with two people <laughs> with nunchucks? And exactly the thing that you think would happen, the nunchucks just get entangled with each other yep. and then there's no more nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with that. Nunchucks are exclusively a weapon for Flash. Yeah, just for Flash. Flash only. Like, what the hell? 
<laughs> and, and I like early on the first time they show uh, Black Dynamite whipping around the nunchucks, and you're like looking at his face, just like flinching and closing his eyes, like what the fuck? <laughs> like while he's doing it, <laughs> it's just like super uncomfortable doing it. It's, it's just like nunchucks are just like such a like comedy prop weapon. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely are. Really and, it's funny. Just like, and of course, my my favorite one-liner from Black Dynamite. Mm -hmm. He throws the boomerang, the boomerang knife, mm -hmm. and just like, you don't even see him throw it. He mm -hmm. just chases the Kung Fu master. Yeah. The boomerang breaks through a window, <laughs> yep. cuts the guy's arm off, and he just goes like, ha, I threw that shit before I walked into the room. <laughs> threw <a> <laughs> before I even walked in the room, I threw that shit. That's how good I am. Yeah. The movie is full of like, ah, just like gorgeous little one-liners. Yeah. One-liners that feel like You've watched the Boondocks. Mm -hmm. The one-liners that feel sort of like something that the Boondocks writer would have wrote mm -hmm. to make fun of, like, the big action movies. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. I don't really like the Boondocks that much. Mm. Their animation style makes me uncomfortable. Right. But the writing is one of, my, like, my favorite things about that show. Oh, yeah. And I felt like Black Dynamite did what that show is doing for several seasons mm -hmm. in, like, one, one, in a movie. one hour movie. Yeah. 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 And it, they did it super well. Oh, man, yeah. I'm I'm loving like one of the, the one scene where they had all the pimps in, in one room and they're talking about how they're gonna still continue to make money, but they're not yeah. gonna be able to do it with heroin. You know, so <laughs> then they go through there was like Captain Kangaroo pimp, are you down? Like they just went through every single pimp. You know, what was the other one? Chocolate giddy up, are you down, chocolate giddy up, tasty <laughs> freeze, um Captain Kangaroo pimp, <laughs> you know, going through all these people. And everybody's like, Yeah, they down. And then it was like, Well, I don't know about y'all, but uh in order to make some money, I'm just gonna have to hold on to a couple bags. Of this heroin, <laughs> and then Black Donald walks in. He was like, "Well, you're gonna have a lot more problems than that, you know, because I'm starting a war with anybody that wants to bring drugs into the black community." And then, uh, but Black Donald, I I sell drugs in the black community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, hold on now. That's, that's exactly what I do. And you better hope I don't catch you, brother. <laughs> you know, I sell drugs in the black community, though. Like, like, you guys are world me? Like, what the hell? I don't know if this is, a like, another facet of... Because I know black culture is all based around, like, sort of this idea of loose brotherhood that yeah. everybody has with each other. Mm -hmm. So I like that in the movie, like, when he is fighting against, like, black people, mm -hmm. there's always a sense of just, like, listen, I'm giving you the chance. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. I will walk away out of this. Just don't do it or I will fuck you up. Yeah. But when he's dealing with sort of like the, the jive turkeys, yeah. there's none of that. He's just no. like, all right, let's fuck the turkeys up. Yep. Uh, but like every time there's like that sense of camaraderie mm -hmm. that makes the black culture feel really alive is present even when black dynamite is just kind of like, he was pissed about the drug thing. Yeah. But it was just like, just don't pump drugs into the neighborhood. You'll yep. be all right. Yep. And then he leaves them be. Yeah. Um, but when dealing with the Jeff turkeys, he just immediately goes all out. There was a very good example of that. My favorite example of that is um, when he goes to the Black Panther's house, and then uh, he's trying to get some answers. He's like, oh, which one of y'all Jive turkeys is in charge? He was like, sarcastically, I am. <laughs> 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 he was like, well, he's like, no, you ain't in charge. If you was in charge, then all of y'all would be dead right now, you know, for y'all situational awareness, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, and then just like goes in on him. It was like, I've been doing more than before you were born. When all you were doing this, this, and this, I'm black as the ace of spades. I'm yada, 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 just goes in on him. And then the guy recognizes Black Dynamite, and he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then Black, Black Dynamite just lets it go. You know, it was just like that. It was like, he's serving like, hey, you better recognize who the fuck I am. Like, I will whoop your ass. You know, it was like, hey, okay, my bad. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> and that was it. It's great. Yeah. I, I think the, like, the movie captures a sense of black culture that mm. even if you're not in black culture, yeah. like I am, mm. 
because uh, I'm not in it. But even if you're not, then mm. you can understand oh, yeah. really why this movie is a black culture icon. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, especially like for the for the past 15 years. I mean, this is awesome. It reminds me much of a movie called "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker." It's like a that. um. It's it's from the Wayne's Brothers, but not the Wayne's Brothers you're thinking about. Right. The, is the, that the same Wayne Brothers as when they were? Good or is there um, a different Wayne Brothers? It's it's the older Wayne's Brothers. Oh, okay, so all right, there's four of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's even more now. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of these fuckers, you know. But uh, <laughs> but not Sean and Marlon from the Wayne's Brothers television show. Yeah. The there was a show called In Living Color. Oh, have you ever seen this movie? Um, fuck. Uh, Damon Wayne's is in it. Um, he he's like, uh, you want you want me to take your mind off Major Pain. Oh yeah, I love Major Pain. Ma- Major Pain. So that that's the older brother. So okay. not not the white chicks Wayne's, the older ones the are other, Damon yeah. Wayne's and Keenan Ivory Wayne's. They made a movie called I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which is a black exploitation movie made in the nineties, making fun of the seventies. <laughs> and it's it's just a farce. It's kinda like when when um when the Wayne's brothers start making like the scary movie. Yeah. It's like you they understand what the, the the genre is doing and they're taking the piss out of it. Right. That's very much what the Wayne's brothers are doing with I'm gonna get you sucker and a lot of this in this black exploitation movie, mm-hmm. very understanding of what the genre has done. Done and taking the piss completely out of it, and I mean, I'm, right. I'm I, all for I like, it. I like I'm it a lot it. because you have to have an understanding as to what makes a genre click yeah. before you take the piss out of it. Oh yeah, and if you can do that, then you can have the opportunity for really amazing comedy, mm-hmm. which is what Black Dynamite did. Oh yeah, Black Dynamite understood exactly what the genre did. It understood what it would mean for Black culture. It understood it understood how to celebrate Black culture how to point out the idiosyncrasies of black culture yeah. and the hypocrisies of black culture. And then sort of how, and again, inject that anti-capitalism, anti like sort of like black oppressive mm-hmm. system in the same movie yeah. all at once yeah. while making it fucking funny. Yeah. If that's not a brand that you're a fantastic writer. I don't know what it is. I, and, well, I, uh, yeah. And to piggyback on that is um, how they're recognizing all angles of like the black community and the culture. Cause I mean, it's just like, we're not just making the hero of black dynamite. There's this one scene where um, I don't know if I brought this up already where he sees the kids and then she's like, my mama said, my daddy's name is black dynamite. <laughs> the other kid is like, so did my mama. He was like, Hey, shut up little girl. Uh, a lot of cats have that name <laughs> yeah. you know? so it's like it's not just like uh, like making him a hero it was like hey he's going around fucking everybody not taking care of his kids dead be right. dead you know father in the community which is something that is very prevalent within the culture too mm-hmm. and showing that as much as black dynamite is trying to be righteous he's still dealing with something that a lot of people in the community deal with he's still know? a flawed man very much yeah. and and part of that and part of that flawness is the cockiness that he carries like mm-hmm. all of his like Cream corn, I think, dies. Cream corn, yeah, in a helicopter. he just jumps out of the helicopter. <laughs> yep, and cream corn him. can't drive a helicopter. Nope. <laughs> yep. It was like, I'm bailing. I'm bailing. You go take care of the helicopter. It's like, what the fuck? And they shoot the helicopter down. It's fucking great. Yeah. And uh, I really love the split screen thing that the movie does every so often. Mm. Like, there's a, like when O'Leary, when he finds out O'Leary's behind the mm. drink drinking thing. Yep. Uh, he like acts like he gets shot and then shoots O'Leary. Oh yeah. And then there's a split screen or Leary on the ground or Black Dynamite, one of them, and one of them's on the ground. He was like, "Oh no, yep. the birthday candle from Nam." Yep. And then one of them's bleeding, and Black Dynamite just stands up and like leaving in the other frame. Yep. And I, I just think like, what a fantastic way to play with the frame of a movie. Yeah. You know, because a lot of movies treat the frame as it has to be this unbroken mm-hmm. single thing, and there's very few filmmakers. I think Guy Ritchie is one of them. There was a movie that mm. we watched, The Man from Uncle. That's what it was, yeah. Um, uh, that play with the frame. They, yeah. they fragment the frame yep. and they make it so that it creates cool transition. And you know that you're watching a movie, yeah. but it communicates a, an emotion Definitely. from that. 
Yeah. And I think that that's what I, I love about that technique. It's yeah. just sort of like they know when to use the black the, the split frame. They know when like to show that something was happening, even though it wasn't really happening. Mm. It's a great way to save on a budget too. Yeah. Because to create this elaborate sequence of putting black dynamo in a room where people are shooting at him, mm. you just have two shots. And you split screen them, and Black Dynamite is shooting at nothing. Yeah. And then the other people are shooting at nothing. Yep. And then you just Smash the audience connects the dot. Yep. So you save on a you save on budget. Yeah. And if you do it well, you have an amazingly cool technique that just links everything together in a fresh new way. Yeah. And so like even though this movie is taking the piss out of everything, it's sort of trying to be really funny. Yeah. It it never does it at a loss, and no. it's always finding a cool, interesting way to show something. Yeah. And I loved it. I really did love it. There was there was something at the end where I was still like I felt like a lot of like some parallels and metaphors at the very end of the movie. The last shot that we have is a uh, black dynamite. He's um he's kicked Richard Nixon's ass, and then um he's Which, a pop- by the way fucking hilarious. Love that scene. <laughs> <laughs> he kicks Richard Nixon's ass, and then he's talking to the first lady and apologizing for pimp slapping her through the cabinet. And then the um his love interest, uh, the black lady, yeah, while he's sitting there talking in his last speech monologue for the end, he pulls out his gun and he's just like pointing it straight forward and the black lady she's like down by his by his legs and, and just like holding on to one leg by her by his arm and then the shot is just still just a, a sitting shot is standing there and then the white lady who's kind of out of frame a little bit she just kind of crawls her way in, you know, just her way in to get in there and then grabs a leg too it's like yeah i'm here too <laughs> you know? yeah, going. yeah i'm here too and it was just like it, that parallel for me was just like um this is showing the parallel of black dynamite it's like it's not just the righteous brother that's here to save the black people and the culture and these black women mm-hmm. and no you got this white woman on the side too you got these children on the side too it's yeah. like the good and the bad just showing the juxtaposition you got the, of them. You got the edge of sexism that mm-hmm. is prevalent yep. and sort of that facet of black culture yeah you know, it's, it's it's all there it's yeah. all there it's multifaceted oh yeah and i think it's fantastic yeah uh, but i think it's interesting this movie was made in 2009 yeah uh because i feel like it resonates now a little even more than when it came out yeah because we not only is there a lot of racial relationships mm-hmm. that are happening right now and they're getting intense but in the cin- in cinema itself, we have a re a revitalizing of black exploitation cinema mm. with Get Out. We yeah. have Get Out. Yep. We have Black Klansman. Yep. We have um, Sorry to Bother You. Oh yeah, three really fantastic movies that came out in the last two years yeah. or three maybe. Yeah, Sorry to Bother You, Dear White People. Yeah, Dear White yeah. People. So like black exploitation cinema is making a comeback. Yeah, uh, or re- it's being well, evolved. Black exploitation so much. Well, the thing is that, like, it is uh, uh, what I think about what makes them black exploitation from Black Klansmen and Sorry to Bother You. Mm. It's that they are taking elements of being exclusively marketed, or not exclusively marketed, but being sort of taken straight out of black culture mm. and then put in a lens that every other racial culture can then look at and yeah. learn from themselves. Mm. And so, like, while black exploitation in the early ages of it was just essentially to go, like, well, fuck you against the people that wouldn't let them make the movies. Yep. The new black exploitation is just like, we're no longer making the movies to spite you. Mm. We're making the movies in spite of you. Yeah. Like, we're making the movies whether you want us to or mm. not. And this is the stories that we want to tell. I like that. And so that's what I feel is the new, the spirit of like what I'm calling neo black exploitationism. Okay. Which is a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but it's instead of being this action driven, really sort of ridiculous movies, mm. what we're getting is really intense social commentary yeah. told through the lens of black culture. And so like Black Dynamite, 
I feel falls directly in between those two those two periods mm. of black exploitationism. Okay. Where it's just like you got the ridiculousness and the comedy of black exploitation, mm. and then you got the social commentary of neo black exploitation. Yep. And it's just a really interesting bridge to see those two connect yeah. through Black Dynamite. And it's part of the reason why I love this movie. Because you can very clearly track that a lot of the ideas that mm. made Black Dynamite funny in 2009 are a lot of the ideas that making Sorry to Bother You and Black Klansman mm. and Get Out culturally relevant in 2018. Yeah. So I fucking love this. It's fucking great. Me too. Um, dynamite. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one out of ten. Can I can I can I just say too that the jingle for Black Dynamite? Yeah. Sometimes in the f- movie they use it like three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Like he says a line, the jingle plays. He says another line, the jingle Dynamite. plays. Yep, again. Yep. Dynamite. <laughs> Fucking kills me every yeah. time. It's great. Oh yeah. Uh, one out of ten for me. I'm gonna give this movie like a solid eight point five. I, I was I was at an even eight, mm-hmm. but. It's hard for me not to boost it up even more than that, just because, like, like you're saying, like everything, any issues that I would have had with the movie is purposeful. Right? They're like, there's, there's not many things that I can detract from. You could have done this better. It was like, no asshole. This is very much on purpose. Yeah, you we know? did this because we wanted to say something with that shot. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't rarely change my answer after I said eight, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on an eight point five. Eight point five. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's, it is a. Fantastically written, well acted, yep. well staged. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography for the film is fantastically ugly on purpose. Yeah. You know, like they make it look like, like it gritty. was that low it, budget yep. uh, filmmaking. Yeah. And I love that the color grading is fantastic. Yeah. It looks like 1970s stock. Yeah. I mean, the movie is a like technical and sort of artistic, yeah. all around package of goodness. Very and much. I, and I love it. Me it's too. A Fantastic movie. And if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend that you do. Yeah, it's on Netflix now, too. It is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then if, you, if you're if you still interested after watching Black Dynamite and mm-hmm. you want more of that type of, of humor, cartoon. there's the cartoon of Black Dynamite, mm-hmm. uh, which is also really fucking great. Hells yeah. And I think that's it for Black Dynamite. Yeah. Fucking great movie. Very much. We'll be, I guess, uh, we'll cut back and we'll be with TV and movie premieres. Yeah. Hey. Boop. Just like fucking... I can't imagine turning that shit on and seeing Zack Snyder all over like my screen and I'm not even watching a Zack Snyder film. Mm-hmm. I would honestly text you and just be like, all right, listen, what the fuck? Are you watching <laughs> <this>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the prequel is good. The prequel was good. Yeah, the prequel, prequel was good. Did, 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 did it do the Zack Snyder thing or did it do its no, own thing? No, they did their own thing in the prequel. Nice. So it was good. I haven't, I haven't watched a television show like properly in a long time. I'm not gonna. Don't do that one though. Man, don't, don't, do, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Welcome back. Television and movie premieres. Hey, uh, television movie premieres for the week of Tuesday, October the 23rd through Monday, October the 29th. Uh, we got one television show of note, and it's Adam Sandler. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's really of note. Yeah. <laughs> is it really noteworthy that Adam Sandler was coming out with something else? Uh, what, is it a Netflix show? Like, it's, is it part of that like Netflix contract that he did? Yeah, well, it's, it, this one is a comedy special. It's mm. called uh, Adam Sandler 100% Fresh. So it's a stand-up? Yeah. Well, it just says comedy special. Comedy special, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm l- really wary of Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. I just, oh, we did the whole thing. Yeah, yeah we, we did a whole episode. Yeah, we did a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, bro. <laughs> 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 Our condolences. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything particularly useful to say about that. No. I mean, and the fact that you titled it 100% Fresh, number one, screw Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like, right. Like, if you're still on this Rotten Tomatoes kick, like, I mean, you can use them, but, like, they're not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. And it's a guide. Yeah. It is a That's what, I fucking hate that yeah. about, like, the, the number critique thing. Like, yeah. Venom recently came out. Mm-hmm. And have, you, did you, have you seen that? I've not seen it. Okay, me neither. I'm, 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 I want to go see it. Same. Um, but it recently came out, and it's got a 30% critic score. Yeah. And like a 80 like something, 90 or something. Yes, it's up there. Score. Yep. So like that huge disparity or something, it's just like, you do realize that the people that are, crit- like the, crit- the critics yeah. of this movie are people that are completely disconnected with the audience of the common film goer. Yeah. You know, so like if you're taking their opinion, you really have to understand that they're not watching the movies that you want to watch no no <laughs> they're given the, the big scores to the movies that you absolutely do not no watch. <laughs> no as, as i'm saying like 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 a criterion movie they would be like yep four stars out of four right you have to go see this and the user reviews would be like what the fuck i was bored this is not interesting it wasn't entertaining mm-hmm. you know but then something like uh venom and this is where i where, what i thought what it was because like the critics were so down on this i'm like if i go see this i don't want to be in my mind like picking it apart technically yeah. because if you get that bad of a critic review then i can understand that there probably are a lot of technical issues yeah. but then when you get that high of a user you know score then that lets me know that just has to be fun that people were entertained and they enjoyed the movie so it's like i want to wait till i can see this movie for free so i'm not thinking about how cheesy or technically bad it is to where i can just sit there and enjoy a movie for what it is yeah and i think but it's 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 crazy that people fall victim to this culture of like 100 percent or like five out of five stars just watch the fucking movie. movie And then form your own goddamn yes. opinion yeah. <laughs> about yeah. it. Which is weird coming from the two guys that sit here and review movies. Yeah. But, you know, it's fucking have fun with your movies. Yeah. Don't worry about what the fucking Rotten Tomatoes and the yeah. Metacritics have yeah. to say. You know, mm. it's fine. Unless it's like a 1%, in which case like, they're probably right. But, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. 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 Don't watch the Emoji movie, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm not seeing that. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's Adam Sandler. It's called 100% Fresh. It's a comedy special. It's going to be on Netflix this Tuesday, October the 23rd. But that's it for television. And there's one movie coming out. Uh, it's called Superior. Suspiria. Suspiria. Oh, fuck. That comes out Suspiria. I, I haven't so, heard anything about this. All right. So the original Suspiria. This is a remake of Suspiria. Okay. The original movie is done by Dario Argento. Who's that? And, uh, it's an Italian filmmaker. Mm. And he's sort of regarded as, like, the best cult horror filmmaker that came out of Italy. Mm. Like, he's really regarded as a cult horror filmmaker. Mm. And he made this gorgeous movie called Suspiria about a boarding house of dancers. And it's a horror flick. Mm. But it's not your traditional horror flick. It's not sort of jump scary or particularly gory. It's just really atmospheric and really well-made, really well-lit environments Mm. that is saturated with color. So I think you would really like Suspiria. Okay. Because the lighting is gorgeous I'm all in every about single that. shot. Yeah. Um, but that was made in the 1970s. Ooh, okay. 19, like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And then this remake is coming out that now is a remake of that movie, but the remake is one hour longer Boy. than the original movie. Yeah. And so they've done something to fill in that one hour. But it's going to be a fascinating experiment in translation. I mean, this movie runs two hours and 32 minutes. Yeah. So, like, the original movie is about an hour and 40, an hour and 30 minutes. 
I don't think I can do two and a half hours at the theater. Like, this is something I would watch at home just because I, I can't sit in a theater for two and a half hours, right, yeah. you know, but... But yeah, I definitely will take your recommendation. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the rundown is a darkness swirls at the center of a world renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare; others will finally wake up. And it's starring Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson, I feel um, like I recognize that name, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the original Suspiria is one of the most gorgeous pieces of cinema yeah. that are out there. I mean, the movie looks fantastic. Nice. So I'm really intrigued in what this movie is going to look like because it's an hour longer than the remake, which you barely ever hear. Usually they get condensed, yeah. not expanded on. Yeah. So I want to know what the... F- and like, I know the filmmaker behind this kind of knows what he's doing. Like, it's mm. not just our filmmaker. Yeah. So, like, I'm excited to see what happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks really fun. Okay. So if there's a movie, if there's a good weekend to have just one movie come out, yeah, it's this one. Yeah, okay, it's Suspiria. So I, if you like horror, you mm. will absolutely love it. Did you did you hear anything about the uh, the Halloween movie, the uh, the Michael Myers with Jamie uh, Lee Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I hear. Uh, I was talking to Jonathan about it. Mm. He said that it was. He understands why people like it and mm. why they think it's a good film, but he didn't like it. Okay. So. That's kind of that's like kind of a lot of what I'm hearing. Like some people really dig it, yeah. And then some people are just like, "It mm. happened." I wasn't a huge fan, but yeah. it's not a bad movie. Okay. That's kind of what I'm hearing. What about um? You heard anything about um the '90s? The Jonah Hill movie. Yeah. Uh, that that hasn't come out yet, has it? I believe it came out this past week. This past week, it yeah. might have. Uh, I have not heard anything about Jonah Hill's movie, but that is another movie that I'm really excited to yeah. catch. Because it looks gorgeous. October 19th. October 19th. Uh, so, oh, yeah, so it just came out this past weekend. Week. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't heard anything. Um, but everything that I see online that mm. references a movie, it, yeah. it's never. I've never seen, like, a negative headline about it. Me neither. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, neg- the negative that I got from it was um, just from the dialogue, because the movie is supposed to be, you know, set in the 90s. Right. So the people that talk, they talk the way that we did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Um, it's, it's 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 a bit like I said it would be pro- problematic, you know, to make a movie yeah. that's saying those things. So it's like I've seen some negative reviews just about the f word being overly used or like some other things, right. or some other things like that. But that's the only negative I've seen from it. And the things that Jonah Hill was saying is just like, do you want me to unauthenticate, you know, the time the nineties? Yeah. You know, this was I'm giving you a view, a glimpse of what it was, what I grew up in, and how the people you know spoke when I was there. Right. You know. So like I, like I said, that's the only problematic thing that I've seen as far as reviews. But I'm super interested in it because every uh, like interview I see Jonah Hill on, mm-hmm. he's like super passionate about this yeah. thing. You know, this is a, this is like a really big project for him. Yeah. he really wants it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that when you go into that space where like the only thing that you can say about a movie is that it's problematic, mm. then it's probably a better movie than you want to admit. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like every time that I've heard someone say, like, this movie <laughs> didn't have any faults in it in terms of, like, filmmaking or acting or whatever, but yeah. the dialogue was problematic. And then usually what happens is that they just don't understand mm. the time that the movie set in. or see that. They don't understand, like, the purpose of the dialogue. Like, what was the... There was a movie that we were talking about that felt out of place. I think it was, uh, I think it was Hateful Eight, Tarantino. You okay. know, he, he's used nigga a lot oh, yeah. in that movie, but in that movie it felt not 
it didn't feel right. It yeah, that's I, I jumped off the Tarantino train after yeah. that. I was so I was so cool with Jackie Brown, like it was authentic. You know, I was okay with even the Reservoir Dogs. It was authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want the white people not to say nigga. Like if you're around, if you're white, in the when does that movie take place? Is that eighties? Uh, Reservoir Dogs is that supposed Reservoir to be eighties or nineties? Like, yeah, 80s. I can't tell like late eighties, nineties, something like that. Yeah, but it was like I think it's late seventies. Late seventies, okay, yeah. But it was like I, if you got a room, if you got a car full of nothing but white people, they're not gonna they're gonna talk how they talk, you right. know. So I don't want you as a filmmaker to take away reality, you know, for the sake of where we are today, you yeah. know. Just show me what it was. Show me what it is. Yeah. And like so, Jonah Hill. I mean, and I, I've been watching. Oh, Maniac, Maniac. I started watching Maniac. How far are you on this? I made it four episodes. Sheesh. I think. Yeah. I really have to keep watching. It's awesome because I absolutely loved it, yep. and I it made me forget. Like I've I'd forgotten how talented Jonah is. Jonah Hill was mm. in acting. Yeah. And then I watched Maniac, and I was just like, "Oh, that's right. He's yep. fucking good. He's so good." <laughs> Have, have you gotten to the part, or have they they've taken a pill A already, the first yeah, pill? Yeah. Have they taken the second pill yet? No, not yet. Not yeah, yet. It, it goes but down the rabbit hole. I made it into the I made it into the time where Jonah Hill was kind of like Emma Stone confronted Jonah Hill about she just needed him to be quiet, so she said whatever he. Oh, wanted. okay, yeah, and yeah. And we go into Emma Stone's. Um, backstory mm. and then i just finished with that so okay yeah. so you know what happened to the sister and um in the truck or whatever and all that yeah, yeah that was i couldn't oh that was hard to watch oof. Oof, oof, yeah oof, oof. yeah fucking great show yes Man, it yeah. is if you haven't seen it also a fantastically great show hell yeah and the, the set design for that show it's amazing it's fucking glorious. yeah because i mean and like i said the farther you go like they they incorporate so many different stories because they're inside their mind right. so it can have be in any it can be set anywhere and emma stone's character when um it's Emma Stone, Emma Watson, Emma Stone, right? Yeah, yeah. So Emma Stone, uh, she goes back into like some fantasy world to where it's just like elves and uh, mythical creatures. So it's just like a completely different, you know, from what you're seeing right there. And then you have uh, like Jonah Hill playing like I don't know what you would call this character, redneckish. I guess I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know if you got to that part yet, but like he plays a completely different person. Then he's playing like a politician type person. Right. Then he's playing a guy in a suit that's um like the Roaring Twenties to where yeah. they like I mean there's so many different sets I guess, and like, the Post Malone braids and whatever. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so many like so yeah so set design is just yeah, like it's gorgeous. I cannot imagine working on something like that. But even like and also the set design in terms of like them being in the lab, mm. like it looks so yeah. This is an interesting thing that I've noticed in cinema. Mm-hmm. You know when like they used to make B movies in like the late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. and the sets looked really bad yeah. but creative. Yeah, I feel like movies nowadays that want to emulate that feeling mm-hmm. are taking that set design from the the, the B movies, yeah. and then just sticking a really good Be- budget over it, mm-hmm. and then making it look as good as it could have been in that B movie had it had the budget. Yeah, and that's what I get when I look at the lab. From that show, yeah, it's sort of neon lighty and I weird bleepy computers, yeah. and it looks like something out of Reanimator, but in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> no, know? yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and like, and I gotta say that that lady that smokes in that show, the doctor that's always smoking, the a- uh, she's Asian lady, the Asian lady, yeah, yeah, fucking the hottest person in that show, hands down. Okay, I there's not a shot that I look at her and, and I don't go like, damn. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking gorgeous. I mean, you know, I'm about the, my my old women. So uh, Sally true. Sally Field, the uh, the lady that plays the mother of the shit. I don't know. Never mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But basically, you know, the computer that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. she is the the real person. Like basically, they took the memories her and the thoughts of her brain and made it to the computer. So eventually, the lady shows up, okay. played by Sally Field, and nice. yeah, I'll, I don't care if you're seventy. What's good, Sally? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cinema. Yeah. Hell yeah. I think that's it for today's episode. Man. That's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter underscore FFS Podcast. You can find us on iTunes at, and Facebook at the FFS Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music uh, under the name for film's sake. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Archia. I'm at uh, T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey. And that's it for today's episode. We will see you next week. Uh, take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye.